Thursday. Well, we finish our, our series on resolve, and we started out by saying we're going to resolve to follow God. And want to put something in your head that you can keep coming back to. You got your rope. Did everybody get a rope when they came in this morning? Get your rope out. Get your rope. And some of you fidget with your rope, so some of your ends look like mine do at this point. Uh, we'll get to you in just a second. Uh, but here's, here's what I want you to understand about a rope. We can learn so much from one, one piece of rope. First of all, not a trick question, what is the name of this? Rope. Yes, it's a rope. Nobody would ever say, well, that's simple. That's, a, that's about 100 different strands of nylon all grouped together. Nobody would call it that. If you need to go buy rope, you say, I'm going to go buy rope. You don't say, I'm going to go buy a bunch of little nylon strands all pieced together. Nobody would say that. Understand, a rope is known by its unit. It's known by its group. It, it no longer has all these little identities. It's known as its big, combined, unified identity as a rope. It's known as a rope. You also notice that all of these little individual nylon strands, they're not just thrown in and grouped together. They're not just held together by a rubber band. They are actually woven and braided together so tightly that you can't exactly pull one apart. And if you started to try to pull one apart, you end up pulling multiple ones apart as well. They're not just grouped together. They are woven together. They are interlocked and interconnected to create something bigger than themselves, in this case, a rope. Now let's get back to you frayed people. How many of you fidget with things and it's already frayed beyond recognition? That's a few of you, yeah. Just wait till what it looks like at the end of service. So what happens with a rope is because it's made up of all of these individual strands, over time, and if you mess with it enough, it will get frayed like this. Now you know this, how do you keep a rope from fraying? You burn it. You have to burn the ends and it actually melts all of these individual strands together. Now this is a difficult part, but it's, it's a must, especially with a rope. If you think of all of us as we, as we group together, to be something bigger than just ourselves and we come together and we work together and, and we, we worship God together, we begin to do life together, we become woven tightly and deeply together. But what really makes us strong and united is when we go through the fire together. It's when you go through stuff and it melts you together, it unites you together where all of a sudden it's not very likely that this end will become frayed because of what these strands have gone through. The same thing would be true of any group. When you go through stuff together, be it a church, be it a family, be it a workplace, a community, think of the community in Albany and the surrounding counties. Man, what they have gone through together is a tragedy. It's, it's devastating, but man, they're tighter than ever. They're tighter than ever because of what they've gone through. So a rope, again, is known by its unit, its group, not its individual strands, or it's, it's got a larger identity. They're woven together, braided together, they're interlocked. It requires an end, the ends of them to be burned and melted so that they don't fray, that they don't go off and do their own thing. And ultimately, a rope is useful. Would you agree? I mean, yeah, you, nobody, surely, just has rope lying around their house that just admires it. That is just a good-looking piece of rope. You put it on the fireplace mantle, and when people come over to your house, you show them your rope. Look at my rope. It's gorgeous and beautiful and wonderful. And they ask, well, what do you do with it? Well, nothing. We just look at it. Of course, it's ridiculous. Rope is used to be used. We, we find useful ways to use rope. And when you use rope, it's, used, it, its use goes beyond what any of these individual strands could ever do on its own. When they pull together, when all these strands are interlocked and united and melted together, it's strong. 
It's very useful and it does more together as a unit than what any of these individual strands could ever dream of doing on their own. Just like a rope, you and I are wired to be like a rope. We have ingrained in us this longing and this desire to not just be by ourselves and alone and isolated, but to be together, to do life. We talked about circling up, to be united with people, to to have people that we're doing life with, to interlock and just to go through life together. And yes, to go through the stuff of life together, to go through the trials and the testings and the difficulties and the tragedies and the devastations and the loss because it binds us and, and melts us together even tighter. And as we pull together, here's the really big desire of our hearts, because God made us this way, is we want to be part of something bigger, but not just part of anything. We want to be part of something bigger that then has a greater impact. We want to be part of something that when we all pull together and we're used together, that we are part of an impact that goes beyond anything we could ever dream of doing on our own. That's what I want to hope and pray we can resolve to do today. Resolve to be part of something bigger with a much greater impact. Resolve to be part of something bigger for an incredible impact, an impact greater than anything that we could do on our own. And I'm telling you, there is nothing greater that you can do, no impact greater that you could leave in life than impacting another person for Jesus. It doesn't get any better than that. The eternal legacy that you get a chance to leave on somebody else's life, seeing their life changed, and that we get a chance to be part of their life change story, nothing could be greater. So there's a lot of things we, re- we have resolved to do over the last about four to five weeks, but it all comes down to, will we continue to just be doing our own individual things, or will we resolve to be part of something bigger and for a much greater impact, that impact being impacting people for Jesus? Early on in Jesus's ministry, he, uh, he had a whole crowd of people and he began to teach them. One of his first sermons, one of his first teachings that we have recorded in the gospels and it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. So if you got your Bibles, head to Matthew chapter five. This is how Jesus kind of sets up his ministry and more so how he's hoping, praying and what he's expecting his followers to then do. Because Jesus knows his ministry is short-lived. And so what he's getting his disciples and the rest of his followers ready for is life beyond him being physically on earth. Matthew chapter five, starting in verse 13, he gives these two metaphors and there's even some parables in here just for a few short verses. But he tells this crowd, including his disciples, but a massive crowd, here's who you are. Here's what it means to follow me. Here's what I want you to do. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer, and what's this word? Good, you're gonna see that word a lot. Anytime you see good, I'm gonna point at you and you're gonna do that. So like, for example, oh, very good. You did a good job. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here, Jesus has an incredible audience of potential followers of him. And really, one of the first things that he says is this, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Be that. Says, that's what I'm asking you to be. This is what I'm asking you to do. But why would Jesus choose salt and light? Why, why were those the two metaphors, these two parables, brief parables that he uses to explain not just 
what he wants them to be, but what he wants them to do. For salt, for example, did you know that now there is something called the Salt Institute? Are you aware of this? Some people love salt so much that they actually research salt to the point where they have found about 14,000 uses for salt, all at the Salt Institute. Now, I'm a salt fan. Don't know if I would ever be so extreme as to attend the Salt Institute, but if that's your thing, then now you have, some of you are so excited, you're gonna go and start researching all things Salt Institute. But what they've done is they've recognized the value and the use of salt. Now, in Jesus' day, Salt Institute wasn't there. They probably weren't aware of the 14,000 possible uses for salt, but there was two main ones that everybody would have been very, very aware of and immediately would have recognized when Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. First main use for salt is that it acts as a preservative. It keeps food good. It keeps food from going bad. So they would have recognized we know how valuable salt is because, man, it's a lifeline for many of us. It keeps our food good longer. It's a preservative. It also enhances flavor. Anything that you have that's bland or that just doesn't taste good, all you have to do is add salt and it has enhanced the flavor. So it doesn't just keep food good, it also makes it better. So Jesus is looking at his disciples and these followers, this massive crowd, and he says, that's what I want from you. You are salt, you're the salt of the earth, so I want you to have good deeds, do good, and make things better. Now keep in mind, anytime you hear me or out of scripture say do good, I'm not talking about being good. Being good is a very different thing than doing good. We're not gonna be good perfectly for the rest of our lives. Not gonna happen. But what Jesus is saying is you're the salt. Good is gonna come from you because he's gonna work through us. Do good. Galatians says something very similar. Galatians chapter six, verse nine says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Be salt. Salt keeps things good and it makes things better. So do that to all people. Now, at the end of that Galatians passage, it says to all people we're to do good for, but especially those in the family of believers, especially our church. Of course, we're supposed to do good for one another, but don't, don't misread that where you think, well, I'm only supposed to do good for those that think like me, who, those that look like me, that those that believe like me. Because in Luke chapter six, Jesus says this, verse 35, love your enemies, do good to them. Who's the them? Enemies, love your enemies, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will be truly, you will truly be acting as children of the most high for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. So Jesus says, there's not a, a certain type of people or a group of people that he's saying be salt to. No, he's saying be salt to the earth. You are the salt of the earth and salt has two great uses. It's valuable. The value it brings is that it adds value. It keeps things good. It makes things better. It brings good. So as a believer, bring good, do good to all people not just the family believers, but to all people, even our enemies. That means when somebody's going through a crisis, we do good and we bring comfort. We enhance their life by bringing comfort. When somebody goes through loss, we bring hope. When somebody goes through trials and difficulties, what do we bring? We, we bring compassion, more comfort, understanding, a listening ear. When somebody goes through the unimaginable, we're just a shoulder to cry on. When somebody's going through conflict and tension, we, we bring peace. When somebody's 
in the midst of the unknown, we can still help them find joy in any situation, any circumstance. We're the salt of the earth. Our job, according to Jesus, is to be salt to all people. That's to do good. Being salt means to have a great impact because, I mean, you, we would all agree, salt has an incredible impact. Anything that it touches, it impacts and influences. So have a great impact, but do so by being salt, which means to, to love people, to do good for people, to add value to people regardless who they are. Have a great impact by adding value and by doing good. Now, let me give you a couple disclaimers with salt. First of all, if we are going to be salt, got to recognize salt only works when it is added. If you have an unsalted french fry and a, and a, uh, a cup of salt and they're next to each other, is that helpful? No. Will that have an impact? No. But we can say, but we're in the same we're in the same proximity. We're, we're next to our neighbors. We're right there. But if, if you're not intentionally being salt and, and rubbing shoulders with them and having conversations and leaning into their life, then we're just salt next to an unsalted French fry. You have to be willing to be the salt. The other thing that salt does and does not is I've never heard somebody say, you know, bite into something that's nice and salty and say, wow, best salt ever. Usually you don't hear that. What you do say is, wow, that Food is great. Man, the salt really added to it. Salt doesn't look for its own glory. Salt doesn't look to be recognized as the best salt ever. What do we do is we add value. We do good to other people. We enhance other people around us. Now, let me add this to it, one more, one more piece of salt, and then I want you to see light. So easily as believers, we're very good at looking out into the world and seeing all the areas and all the people that are lacking salt. You, you see what I mean here? We can, we're very good at pointing out what everything else, where everything else is going wrong, what everything else has done wrong, who is wrong. Understand, Jesus is not saying point out who's missing salt and then just yell at them until they get salt. Doesn't happen. He says, no, you go be that. So my hope and prayer is that we would be exactly what Jesus is asking us to be, doing exactly what he would ask us to do. And we go and we be salt in our schools and in our community and in our government and be involved in politics and be part of things where we would, we would tend to rebuke and, and say that's a problem versus saying, well, I'm gonna do good. I'm gonna enhance it. I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna bring something to the table and add value to it. Be part of nonprofits, be part of for-profits, be part of your church, your community, your state, your cities. Man, around the world, be part of it. Be salt to the entire earth. And Jesus switches it. He's gonna say about the same thing, but this time with light. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Understand we need a personal relationship with Jesus, period. We absolutely need a personal relationship with Jesus. And remember, there's a difference, like, like I said, between doing good and being good. Being good and doing good does not earn us salvation, does not earn us Jesus's love, does not even allow us to deserve it. That's only because of the grace that he has for us. Doing good and being good is not about being saved. Doing good and being good is about the byproduct of being saved. So we do this not because we're afraid of what would happen if we don't. We do it because it's who we are and who lives in us. So Jesus says, be the light of the world. Make sure that people see it. Yes, have a personal relationship with Jesus, but don't make that a private relationship. So easily, we have the personal relationship with Jesus and we keep it very private. Jesus is saying, no, 
Look back. Nobody hides it under a bowl. No, they put it on a stand and they shine it bright for all to see. Have a personal relationship with Jesus and make it public. It's not public to the point of everybody focusing on me and who I am. It's make it public so people know who Jesus is. He's the light that we're shining. He's the light that shines through us. James 2.17 says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith is great. But if you don't have the good deeds to go with it, if you don't have the actions, it's useless. It's useless. It's a rope that you admire versus a rope you put to work. Something bigger for greater impact. Now, this timing is interesting. Right here, we're in in Matthew chapter five. And if you go back, not even a chapter, if you just go back earlier on in this chapter, right as Jesus begins this Sermon on the Mount where he talks about us being salt and light, he gives descriptions of really what that looks like. And we call them now the Beatitudes. Matthew, early, early on in Matthew 5, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. He goes on, and he's painting a picture for how those that follow him are different than those that don't. Does that make sense? He paints a picture and says, man, you're the light of the world. Things look different in the light, don't they? You're the light of the world. You are absolutely supposed to look different, be different, think different, talk different, live differently. Being the light of the world means we have a very deep personal relationship with Jesus, but it's not private. We show people who Jesus is. Being the light of the world means that we give people just a glimpse of who Jesus is. It's not a private relationship. It is very public where people actually get to see who Jesus is and they see a glimpse of who he is by how we act, by our good deeds by our good deeds. So he says, you're salt, you're good, you're supposed to do good to other people. Uh, you are your light, light of the world. Let people see you through me, he's saying. Let people see it. Don't hide it. Don't, don't be shy with it. Let people see it in public. Let people see who you worship and who you love. Now, there's one other thing you gotta notice about the salt and light. Both very impactful. They have great impact as long as they're being used the right way. Light in a very lit room isn't very impactful. Would you agree? Light in a very dark theater auditorium, very impactful. Salt, like we said earlier, salt next to something unsalted, unless it actually touches it, man, it's no good. If you just have salt there, it's useless. Salt and light are both very impactful. They cause a great deal of impact and effect on what they touch and what is seen through them. Only if they're actually being used. Look back at the passage. Jesus alludes to what happens when they're not used properly. He says, you're the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good. If salt is not being used the way it's intended to be used, it's not good. It's worthless. Verse 14, you're the light of the world. Town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl because it would be useless. You don't hide a light. What we have been asked to do by Jesus is to be salt and be light, to do good and to show off him, to let people see him. And what the most incredible thing here, and again, this is early on in Jesus's ministry, is he has invited us to do this. Scripture doesn't say, I am the salt and I am the light. We get Jesus talking about how he's the light later on, but he's saying, no, you are the salt. You are the light of the world. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Here's who you are. He's invited us into people's life change stories. He's invited us to be part of something huge and something significant. 
something that will have so much greater impact than anything we could do on our own. He's invited us to be part of that. Jesus is saying, let me, let me use you to do something great. Let me use you to be part of something bigger and with a greater impact, to be used by Jesus, to impact others for Jesus. That's what it means to be salt and light. So here's some questions to ask. You might wanna write these down or if you've got your phone, you can take a picture. I'm gonna put four questions up on the screen for you that'll help you identify if you're actually being salt and light. The first one, what impact am I having on people? If salt and light are both greatly impactful, am I being impactful? And to who? How am I impacting people? Salt impacts everything it touches. Light impacts everything that sees it. Those that you're around, those that you do life with, how do you impact them? Those that see you on a regular basis, how are you impacting them? Just by being there, just by being around, how do you impact the people around you? Second question is, am I being useful? And I love Jesus and I love church and I love what God's done in my life and I've got a life change story. But are you being useful? Are you doing good to all people? Do people know the life change story that you've had happen in you? Do they see it through, through how you talk and through how you walk and through everything that you are? Do they actually see it because of what you're doing? Am I being useful? Kind of ties to that second one. What do people see when they see me? What do people see when they see me? If we're the light of the world, then people should be seeing the light of the world, Jesus in us. And everything that we do, what do people see when they see me? Fourth question is what I'm doing bringing glory to God? And that's the why. The what is we are salt and we are light. Salt of the earth, light of the world. Why are we supposed to do that? It's to answer this question here is what I'm doing bringing glory to God. If you go back to, to what Jesus said, the way that he wrapped up these two metaphors of salt and light, the very last part, he says this in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds. Let your light shine, let people see it, let them see your good deeds, let them see who you are, and here's the result of them seeing you, and glorify your Father in heaven. That's why we do what we do so that they would see God in us, that they would see the good deeds and they would recognize there's something different about you. There's something different about me. And that they would then be pointed to Jesus. Is what I'm doing glorifying Jesus? Is it glorifying God in everything that we do? That word glorify really means to show off, to bring attention to, awareness to, to point to. So when we when we show off these good deeds, it's not to make my name great or your name great or Mountain Lake's name great. It's to make the name of Jesus great, to bring glory to him because what people see when they're around you, the way that you interact with people being salt and light, does it point people to God? That's why we do what we do. Jesus says, you are salt and you are light. What does that mean? Do good, not be good, I mean, sure, but in this case, it's focusing on doing good to other people. It's adding value. It's enhancing the lives of people around us. And it's living in a way that is attractive to those around us, that they see it and they're like, you're different. And they attribute everything to God. That's the heart behind salt and light, is to give God glory and that other people would give God glory because of their interaction with you and with me. We have a lot of ways that we're a church for our community. We do that internally, like in our church family, a lot of ways to, to be salt and light and to give and to be part of something bigger. 
out in our community, even around the world. And so we took a video camera around for both of our campuses and, and just asked a handful of people why they do what they do when it comes to being part of something bigger for a greater impact. See what they said. There's a real joy in serving, and I believe God does that for us. Um, it's almost like a thank you for um, caring for his people. If someone were to ask me, hey, why do you volunteer? That's pretty easy. I mean, that's kind of why I get up on Sunday. They're in any area of service where you don't get so much more than you ever even give. We all pray, we're praying people, and I think, how is God gonna answer my prayers? You know, how's God gonna take care of my kids? How's he gonna, but you don't really consider that you might be the answer to somebody else's prayer. One of the projects I get involved in um, is the baptismals, where we're behind the scenes, we're the setup guys. And this is a way for people to come in and express their faith in Christ and have a change of life. And that is such a, an emotional thing for me to actually feel the Holy Spirit working through me because I'm part of this whole project. A local group called Meals by Grace had a need for people to help with summer uh, bags for children who were, you know, hungry during the summer. Uh, but I went to volunteer, and that just started an amazing, eye-opening kind of uh, uh, awakening to what's going on here in the county and what we could do about it. And we've just gotten everybody we could possibly think of involved because we could really make a difference just right here um, in our own county. If someone were to ask me why would I go on a world care trip, um, first of all, God's Word tells us to minister at home and close to home and, and to the end of the earth. It's, li it's life changing. It's something that, that is, is unlike any other experience. Uh, you know, I would have never been as expressive as I am or, you know, been as comfortable as I am worshiping God and being around His people and telling people about the gospel if I hadn't served, if I hadn't made the first step to join the team and put myself out there, you know, as nervous as I was and as inadequate as I felt, you know, God has really enabled me in that and um, it's, it's been a beautiful thing. Someone probably helped you when you were like lost or you were down, well now it's time to help someone else because they're down or they're lost and I mean, someone changed your life so how about you go and change someone else's too now. If you don't come and give, the church is not going to get the gift that you've got that's special. And we all need it, every single one of us. Just a glimpse into why a few people do what they do. And it's not so that they get credit. It's not so that somebody says, wow, look at all the salt and light that they are. It's so that it's good for someone else. It's part of life change. It's bringing glory to God and who he is. Acts 1.8, you even heard one of the ladies reference it. Jesus says this right before he ascends into heaven as he talks to his disciples. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And he lists several locations in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then he ascends up into heaven and he says, okay, your turn. Those places are very specific. And, and although we ourselves are not in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, in parts of the, and everywhere in the world. Understand what Jesus was getting at. He says, start at home. Jerusalem was their home. Start home. 
Start right here. What does it look like to be salt and light? Start right here within your church, right in your home, right in your backyard, in your community, Jerusalem. He says, and then move to Judea. That's the expounding area. That would be like the southeast for us, the south even. And then he says, and then even to Samaria. Now, Samaria was further north, so he's pushing out. But also, did the Jews and Samaritans get along? No. He said, now you're getting into to a point where you're further out and you're interacting with people you don't necessarily get along with. Still be salt and light to them. And then he says, and to the ends of the earth. Not like that's what we have to be. If we're gonna be salt and light, we start at home and then we move to Judea, to our surrounding area. That's why we do serve days. We do two a year, one in the spring, one in the fall. The next one's coming up March 18th. You mark it on your communication card. If you want more information, I'll send you the link. You can sign up. Your kids can be part of it. Your family can be part of it. Friends, coworkers, neighbors, everybody can be part of it because we're called to. That's what being salt and light looks like, to do good, to add value to our Judea. And then we move to the Samaria. We move to the ends of the earth and continue to do good and to add value. My family growing up, uh, we would have these family meetings. They have family meetings growing up. My, my parents would call them. Usually it was my dad and says, family meeting, kitchen. And, and it wasn't like a bad thing. You need to know that. Like this wasn't like, uh-oh, someone's in trouble. No, this would just mean we needed to talk about something. There was a, a discussion on the table that they needed to share with us. They, they had made a decision about something. And I mean, these were everything from, hey, we're going to talk about moving to here's what we're doing this summer, what vacations. And we would actually, as kids, get a chance to speak into this around the kitchen table as a family meeting. And so as your pastor, um, I would like to have a family meeting with you. So family meeting, auditorium. You're already sitting. Thanks for being here for a family meeting. Here's what I'm going to, here's what I'm going to ask you and then tell you. I'm going to ask you to be salt and like, I'm going to ask you to be a rope that we can pull together, that we can work together. We can go through stuff together for good. And it's not the good of Mountain Lake. It's not the good of any of us individually. It's for the good of those that need Jesus. It's so that when we pull together and we do something, when we're part of something bigger and we're, we're causing a greater impact, that impact is more life changing in people's lives so that people see and give glory to God. That's what I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you to be salt and light. Here, in our community, in our city, in our state, in our country, and around the world. That's what I'm asking. Now, here's what I'm gonna tell you. There's a great need for every single area. There's a, a great need. I'm gonna ask, and if you guys wanna start coming up, I'm gonna ask my, my volunteer coordinators and our local care partners, our world care partners, if you guys would start coming up, making your way up on stage, I'm gonna keep talking. You guys just start filling in here. And um, I don't have stairs. Maybe, Sean, you can help people get on up if they need to. Um, but but here, here's the reality. The reality is there are more ways and places to be salt and light than there are us. There are more opportunities to be involved in than there are people at this point. And let me just ask, as you guys are coming up on stage here, does anybody need some more volunteers? <laughs> are you sure? You positive? <laughs> now, this is not to guilt you into anything. There are so many of you that do so much. I'm not asking you to do more, okay? I'm asking you to be a rope and to be salt and to be light and figure out what that means for you, for your family, for your kids, for you personally. If you're currently not and you're trying to figure out what that looks like, great. That's why we're doing this today. That's why I have these folks up on stage because they believe in something bigger and they believe in making a greater impact. And to do that, it requires people. Not one of these people can do what they do 
on their own. Agreed? <laughs> it requires an army of people being salt and light, binding together and saying, let's do something bigger. Let's create a greater impact in people's lives. So I've given you a present today. I, asked, I told you something, I asked you something, and I'm gonna actually give you something. You know what I'm giving you? It is 1021. Who said I couldn't preach less? <laughs> I intentionally preached less. Sean intentionally cut a song so that you would have time this morning. Here's what I would ask that you would do with your time. You would talk to these folks that I have on stage. I'm gonna actually have you, can you first of all just recognize and say thank you for what they're doing. They're leading the charge in so many areas. I'm not gonna introduce them all, but you have, you'll see a lot of familiar faces that lead our volunteer teams um, as far as our church is concerned, volunteer areas in our church, they coordinate and lead all of those. Um, some faces you probably don't know. Um, if you have an interest in world care, going overseas, Nicaragua, that's your next tri trip coming up, I think. Nicaragua, Jamaica. Jamaica. Belarus, and we support churches in, in Albania and all sorts of places. You want to see her in the lobby? Uh, Rick, right here. Uh, we're partnered with Rick Rack and also Meals by Grace in the community. Uh, they both do an incredible job of, of helping people, of doing good to people. So if you have questions, talk to either one of them as far as Rick Rack or Meals by Grace goes. Volunteer opportunities, donation opportunities, financial opportunities. The point is to be salt and light and to do good to others. So I'm going to have you all head on out to the lobby. I'm going to dismiss them first. So they're going to be at tables. They've got signs up. They've got sign-up sheets. Everyone in the auditorium, if you would pull out that communication card that I mentioned earlier, on that communication card are ways for you to do just this. Again, the goal, thanks, Mark. The goal is not to make Mountain Lake's name great. Can we agree on that, Mountain Lake? Boy, our name is not meant to be great. I don't care about our name. I care about you. I do not care about our name. I most certainly care about the name of Jesus. And the goal of us, the goal of us coming together every Sunday is so that we can then rally together and go out Monday morning and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and then come back here and recharge and get ready again, and then go back out on Monday. And it takes people to do ministry here every single Sunday. It takes people to love on your kids in the nursery, and in the elementary, and in the pre-K, and over in students. It takes people to wake up when it's almost freezing rain and to unload the trailer every single morning. It takes people to load it back up. It takes, say hi. It takes people to brew your coffee. Be part of something bigger for a greater impact. And I'm telling you, there's no greater impact than being part of what Jesus does through people. More life change. So on the back here, there's ways to sign up. Local care, world care, within the church. I don't wanna burn you out, but Jesus says to be salt and light. And so I'm giving you six extra minutes. Service technically isn't over, so your brunch can wait for six minutes. And I want you to spend time in the lobby, even before you pick up your kids. Our children's team, they're prepared to be there all the way up until 10.30. And so you've got time to hang out in the lobby and to talk and to meet and to ask questions and to sign up. And if you sign up, that's not signing your life away. That's saying, I'm interested. I wanna get some more, more answers to my questions. That's fine. Why well, only have like one time a month? That's great. Why well, I can be here every week. That's great. I promise any time that you have, any availability to have, any skill that you have, any skill that you don't have, I promise there is a way to be salt and light. Nowhere in scripture did Jesus say, be salt and light and here's what you have as required. Here's the requirements, the prerequisites you have to have. Your past doesn't matter. Be salt and light and that means doing good, adding value. Let's make Jesus' name great.
by being salt and light in our world. So here's a couple ways you can do that. If you want to take your communication card, fill this out. You can drop it in the baskets with your tithes and offerings as you leave. If you came with, like I said, anything for South Georgia, uh, for Samantha and her family gift cards, you can drop them in there as well. Um, you can even hand your communication card to one of those people I just showed you. You can walk up to them and say, I think I'm interested in working with kids or with students or Meals by Grace or you name it. You can actually hand this to them. They also have sign-up sheets out there. You can give them your information. They'll connect with you this week. Be salt and light, and let's make the name of Jesus great. Agreed? All right. I'm done talking at you. Let's go be salt and light. Find a way for you to get plugged in and to be salt and light in our world. I'll see you in the lobby.